2: you have a wet basement, you've got a problem.
3: Not only are you inviting toxic mold, a flooded foundation can raise serious structural issues. But here's the good
2: news. Jackhammers and backhoes and other drastic measures are probably not in your future if you read our tips for sealing your basement. Hit moneypit.com, click on ideas and tips, then click repair and improve.
3: And for answers to any home improvement or home repair question, give us a call right now. 888-MONEYPIT.
1: You're living on Money Pit, Money Pit.
2: Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: The number is one 888 Pit 888-666-3974 is the number to call for the answers to your home improvement question. But Leslie, what if we don't have the answer?
3: Well, I think we will have the answers. That's why we have this job.
2: Oh, that's right. Sorry, I forgot just for a moment. Well, test us out. (laughs) Call us right now at 888-666-3974. So, Leslie, a recent survey revealed that two-thirds of homeowners take on at least one home improvement project each year, and more than half plan to do one in the next year or two.
3: Well, for new home buyers, the top project is landscaping followed by deck and patio improvements. Unless you're me, then you wait 3 years to do those after you move in. Yeah, but the house. they
2: come out so good.
3: <laughs> Cuz I've had time to mull it over. That's right. And if you bought an existing home, kitchen and bath and landscaping were key areas for improvement. Good to know.
2: So whether you're moving to a new house, you have an existing house, and you're going to sit tight right where you are, it definitely makes sense to keep your biggest investment in great shape. So call us now with those home maintenance questions at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974.
3: And while we're talking about your old house, we'll hear from the host of This Old House on PBS. Kevin O'Connor joins us with tips and advice from his Emmy Award winning program.
2: And today, one caller we talked to is going to win a really cool prize. Leslie, you can attest to the fact that women are becoming less intimidated by DIY projects.
3: That's right.
2: You get tons of fan mail from them. And so do we, frankly. I love when I get fan mail from women.
3: I, it makes me... <laughs>
2: Might makes my daddy proud. <laughs> but our prize for this hour is a Tom by Tools auto kit created for women by a woman. The tools are designed to fit in smaller hands and require less strength to use. So call now we might choose you to win this prize. An auto kit with all the essentials for your trunk. The number again, one eight 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 Money Pit. Leslie, who's first on the phone?
3: Jane Marilyn listens to the money pit on WJFK Free FM and you're thinking about tiling a countertop. What a great project. Uh, Yeah, we're renovating a bathroom, and it's an odd-shaped
4: cabinet. And we wanted to put a tile countertop on because we found that the um, other types of countertops would be prohibitive based on the size and the cost. But our question is, we're not really sure which tile to go with. There's the smaller glazed tiles and the larger porous tiles, and we weren't quite sure what would be best for a bathroom countertop.
3: Oh, I think that's a matter of what you like. Let's talk about the first steps to building a countertop that you can actually tile. Since it's going to be around a lot of water, I'm assuming is there a sink involved over here or is it just a strict counter? Nope, there's a sink. There's a sink. All right, so you're dealing with moisture. So you want to make sure that you use the proper base, which I would use like a cement backer board. How about you, Tom?
2: Yeah, I would use a cement backer board or an an MDF that was water-resistant, medium-density fiber board.
3: Mm -hmm. Make sure, though, if you go with the MDF, you get the one that's moisture-resistant. Because even though it's going to be covered with tile, there's a lot of humidity in the bathroom, and that can tend to cause problems with the MDF. So what about
2: a marine plywood? I mean, that would work as well.
3: That works as well, too. I just like the backer, the cement backer board because it's sturdy, it's stiff, it tends to be in a good size depth-wise, the size that the planks come in because I think they're like two and a half or three feet by three feet. You know, they're an interesting size when you buy them at the store. So they yeah, make but it.
2: But you still think it's going to be strong enough as a countertop if you have a lot of weight in the middle?
3: Well, maybe like, is, it, it, can
2: it break? You know, well, like, what? Let's say, what if? You, see, in my house, what if your kid climbs on top of that uh, to, like, you know, reach up factor. for something on the ca- counter? i you know, I've gone into houses in all the years I spent as a home inspector and seen cleaning people standing in sinks in bathrooms <gasps> to try to reach stuff. You know, so I always wonder about the strength of the countertops. That's why just using backer board. All right, let's say
3: plywood and then backer board. All right.
2: I'll go for that.
3: How about that, Jane? Okay. Plywood, then backer board. Now, for the tile choice, it's really up to you. I mean, small tiles in a mosaic style, picking whatever colors you'd like to choose, that's really trendy right now. And it looks good, and it lasts nice, and you can get a really good variety of choices. But there's also travertine, and there's slate, and you can... I mean, it's really your preference.
4: Well, our concern was, my husband's theory on it was that in a bathroom, you're placing lots of containers... On the, on the countertop, and he was afraid that all the grout lines, if they're not exactly at the height of the, the tile, would cause those bottles to be unstable.
2: Oh, no way. Oh, I don't nice, think so. Nice try, pal. I wouldn't go for that at all. You know, if you're going to come up with a story to try to convince your wife that your way is the right way, you're going to have to do a lot better than that.
3: And number one, the, the width of a grout line is an eighth of an inch.
2: I never, I, I never heard of any, anything falling over because the grout line was too was too thick. That too is hysterical,
3: <laughs> Janie. Remember, when you're picking out your tile, make sure if it's a porous tile that you seal it properly, so you don't have to worry about going back there and trying to clean it to get a stain out of it. I would say go for a grout that has some sort of. Would you? Is there a grout with the milch side they could get in there?
2: Uh, yes, actually, Laticrete has um, microband built into it. Laticrete is a, is a grout manufacturer that has microband, which is an antimicrobial additive.
3: All right, our next caller is from The Quake in California, and it's Patrick. You've got a question about soundproofing. What can we do for
1: you?
4: Uh, I'm trying to soundproof an old uh, barn. It's like a turn-of-the-century barn, and it's going to be rehearsal space and recording space for my band. Oh, very and, cool. Uh, So I'm wondering, like, how I can do it on a budget. Like, I've looked online and stuff, and all the products are, like, really high-end products. But uh, I was wondering if there's, like, some alternative uh, products, like, you know, that work just as well.
2: Well, t- tell us about this space. What are you trying... Is is this, is this the garage completely standalone that you're trying to soundproof, the barn completely standalone?
4: Um, it actually was like a winery at the uh, turn of the century. Oh,
2: it sounds really so there's nice. Like,
4: there's like uh, three different uh, um, spaces inside of it, and they're all about the same size, but...
2: All right. Well, you know, to, to soundproof a space, especially a recording studio, you need dead air space. Most... Most of the time, when you go to a professional recording studio, you have a room within a room, and there's dead space and large, deep um, doorways and door jams that create this dead air space that give you the the insulation, um, the soundproofing ability. Now, you know the poor man's way to to, uh, to soundproof is to use insulation. There's insulation that's developed for soundproofing and has special batting that that's designed to muffle the sound, but it's not as as good as having a disconnected space. I mean, typically, if you're Building this, and you could create a wall inside of a wall where the walls don't physically touch, and each one is insulated, and then there's airspace between these two cavities. That will give you a lot of sound deadening capability. But it really it comes down to separating one room from the other. Do you follow me?
4: Yeah. So on the uh, on the vertical walls, we're going to have that for sure. Okay. Uh, but uh, on the the ceiling, um, you know. We're get, like, there's a, there's, on the ceiling, there's an upper floor kind of thing. Okay. And, uh,
2: you know, so. So are there people above? Will there be, be noise above in the ceiling?
4: No, there's nobody up there.
2: All right. So what you're going to want to do is probably suspend the ceiling down. You're going to use heavy insulation, like a rock wool insulation batting on that ceiling. And that will give you some deadening capability at the ceiling level as well.
3: Patricia in Massachusetts, who listens to The Money Pit on WPRO, has a leaky roof. What's going on? Hi there.
4: Um, I'm calling you because I have a uh, persistent leak that I have during a nor'easter. Okay. And I have a old Victorian house. And the leak is, uh, I have two floors in my house. And the leak is on the first floor. I have a uh, flat roof. And I live right by the ocean, so I'm thinking maybe it's coming in through the rubber roof. Or
2: Well, Patricia, that's a tough roof. It's a tough roof. you got a flat roof, and you live near the ocean, so you got a lot of exposure, I'm sure you got a lot of wind, and you got a lot of driving rain. And a flat roof is, you know, very susceptible to leakage. Let's face it, it's not nearly as leak-resistant as a pitched roof is. So what do we do about this? Well, we have to be a bit creative. Now, have you thought about trying to hose down portions of that roof Uh, Of course, on a dry day to see if you can make it leak because probably what's happening is one of the flashing points and it could be around a parapet wall or it could be where there's a protrusion through the roof like for a vent or a drain is leaking. And when you have a lot of water pressure because of that driving rain, that's when it's coming in. So you have to become a bit of a detective when you have a roof leak like this and try to put your roof through some paces so you can try to figure out exactly where it's leaking and only then will you be able to, to address it. I did have it replaced um, once, the
4: rubber roof. But, uh, and did
2: that solve it? No. It never solved it. Well, then maybe it's not the flat roof at all. It could be coming in somewhere else. Right. I mean, you say it's a two-story house and it's coming in on the, down to the first floor. You know, it could be coming through siding. It could be coming through flashing. Do you have a chimney that comes up through it? There could be a bunch of different places that that's coming in. So what you really need to do here is to separate the roof into different sections and try to flood those sections and see if you can make it leak. Leslie, is your fridge cool enough for you?
3: I think so, but how would I know for sure?
2: Well, there's a simple test. We'll tell you next.
1: 888
2: Top
4: three reasons I'm going to need a professional installer. Number three, frankly, I'm all thumbs. Number two, they bring it, they put it in, it's done. And number one, you ever try to put in a garage door by yourself?
5: The Home Depot can get it installed, guaranteed. From top to bottom, inside and out. Like that new garage door you've been wanting. Call 1-800-HOME-DEPOT. The Home Depot. You can do it. We can help. License numbers available at your local store or homedepot.com.
1: The walls in your home hold memories, hopes, dreams, and quite possibly mold. You see, traditional drywall has paper on both sides, which combined with moisture can allow conditions that cause mold. That's why more people are insisting on a new paperless drywall called Dens Armor Plus from Georgia Pacific. Unlike conventional paper-faced drywall, Dens Armor Plus has glass-mat facings on both sides, and no paper on the surface means one less place for mold to get started. It's that simple and that revolutionary. If you eliminate the paper, you reduce the chances for mold. If you're building or remodeling, stop feeding mold by using Dens Armor Plus. To find out more, go to stopfeedingmold.com or ask about it at your local building supply retailer.
5: Table saw. (coughs) 18 volt drill driver. (coughs)
4: Eight
5: piece combo kit.
6: You don't have to just wish you had the power tools you really want. With RYOBI, you can actually afford them. RYOBI power tools, professional features, affordable prices, and they sound really good, too. RYOBI, exclusively at The Home Depot.
5: Hello, I'm Rob Petterkevich, Executive Director of the American Society of Home Inspectors. Home ownership rates in the United States are at an all-time high. But did you know the average cost of a home is now more than $260,000? If you're in the process of buying or selling a home, then you know how overwhelming this experience can be. It's also one of the biggest financial investments you'll ever make. So it's important to have your home thoroughly inspected by a qualified professional before you make your final purchase decision. In addition to checking for structural problems, the inspection should cover all the important systems as well. And an inspection is not just for prospective buyers. It's a good idea to have your home inspected before you put it up for sale. Older homes should be inspected every 10 years. New homes, as well as townhouses and condominiums, should be carefully examined, too. This can help protect your investment and prevent potential problems.
2: For more information, please visit ASHI.org. A public service message from the American Society of Home Inspectors.
0: Portion of the Money Pit was brought to you by RYOBI, manufacturer of professional feature power tools and accessories with an affordable price for the do-it-yourselfer. RYOBI power tools, pro features, affordable price. Available exclusively at The Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
2: Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. So Leslie, has your refrigerator been misbehaving
3: Oh, it constantly misbehaves. It might be the fact that anything that's towards the back end might just freeze. We have clear lettuce, and um, it's a very personal problem that's close to home because we had some extra money this year, uh-huh. and I said to my husband, "All right, here's the choice: big screen TV." new refrigerator
2: oh let me think he thought about it long and hard and said <laughs> oh honey i really think we should go for the big screen tv it's such a good investment and it also <laughs> happened to be the week
3: before the big game if you know Oh, what well, I that was mean. too much pressure and he was like oh, you TV. shouldn't even
2: have given him I that know. choice I,
3: you know <laughs>
2: you knew where that's going i
3: knew where it was going and now every time i reach in there and the lettuce is like clear and frozen together i'm like "Duh." Well here's
2: something you might want to check. You know that little dial that usually has the numbers from one to nine? Yes. Well, how do you know, you know, what the temperature should be? Well, what it should be is thirty seven degrees Fahrenheit. That's the proper temperature for a refrigerator. So get one of those meat thermometers that goes like from zero to, you know, two twenty or whatever mm-hmm. and stick it in the refrigerator.
3: You mean don't and, ask the milk?
2: No, just go ahead and stick it in there, close the door for a couple of minutes and then check it.
3: Well, the temperature is thirty five degrees. That's what the milk would say.
2: Yeah, it would say it's uh it, it would say it's too warm and that's why I, I taste sour. <laughs> no. But check it, it's got to be 37 degrees. If it's too cold, then lower it down. If it's too warm, then pick it up. But if it's not the right temperature, it's not going to cool properly. And the other thing is, try to keep stuff from pushing, being pushed way up against the back of the wall because it interrupts the convective flow of the cooling air. And that might be why you're getting some of those areas that are Ooh. freezing when they're unexpected.
3: Well, isn't that awfully fancy of you? Well, there you go. The convective flow. The convective like flow of
2: your refrigerator.
3: I like that. Do you keep a dictionary on hand?
2: I don't, but you can start one for me.
3: <laughs> Convective Flow by Tom Kreitler.
2: Well, just from our callers, we can tell you that women are definitely becoming less intimidated by do-it-yourself projects. And today, we're going to choose a prize that's designed especially for women. It's the Tomboy Tools Auto Kit, and it comes with a wrench, a tire gauge, a flashlight, jumper cables, screwdriver, tarp, and a bag to hold everything you need should you ever become unfortunately broken down on the road.
3: That's right. Tomboy Tools are a line of products that are designed with women in mind, so they're really great. And this prize is worth 83 bucks and can be a lifesaver in case of a breakdown or accident. So call now to get in our prize giveaway. The number is one 888 Pit. Bill in Texas needs some help finding a faucet. What can we do for you?
7: Yes, ma'am. I've got a faucet that's all wore out and I've, it's uh. Well, a six-inch spread sink that has a six-inch between the valves, and my plumber tells me that they don't make those anymore. That I'm going to have to replace. The, I'm going to have to replace the whole sink and countertop and everything.
2: The spread between the valves is only six inches. Uh,
7: it's uh, it was not a standard size. Is what he's saying.
2: Well, Bill, I can see how that might be a challenge because typically you have four-inch and eight-inch spreads on the faucets. But there's another option. You could use a faucet that has the three individual pieces. So you have the hot valve, the cold valve, and then the faucet itself. So you don't really have to have a base that matches that spread. Do you follow me? Yes, sir. So I'm just about every faucet manufacturer out there has, uh, has the separated faucets like that. Okay. They're, they're, they're basically surface-mounted. You know, they're used very commonly when you have tile surfaces and corian surfaces and things like that. So you don't have to have the one piece. You could have the three-piece separate, and then you have a lot of flexibility.
3: Philip in Alaska is up next, and you find the money put on KNI in Alaska, and your shower's got something going on with it. Tell us what's happening.
5: Yes, I've got a rainforest head in my shower. Okay. And uh, every time I use it, it uh, continues to drip for hours afterwards.
2: Well, that's not the shower head. That's the, uh, that's the uh, diverter. The, the valve for the shower is leaking a bit. It's not shutting all the way, and that's why it's dripping. So you need to replace the shower valve, and that will stop the dripping problem.
7: Well, I was told that uh, the pipe
5: that comes over at the top of the shower has residual water in it after I shut
7: the valve off.
3: Yeah, but that wouldn't drip for hours and hours, I don't think. Yeah, that would only drip
2: for a couple of minutes. That would empty out pretty quickly. If it's dripping for hours and hours, there's a steady...
5: A gallon of water.
2: That's okay. If there's a steady stream of water coming out...
5: Yes, and then it
2: just drips. Well, the problem is that the valve is letting that water get through. Okay. So you need to replace the shower valve, and that will stop that. All right, Philip.
7: Oh, Uh, hey, I appreciate it.
3: Alan, Florida's in a sticky situation. What's going on with those tiles?
7: Well, I wish sticky is the answer uh, because I want to, we've done a few projects around the house that we've been successful in doing, and we've got one more on a drawing board, and that is to retile the kitchen flooring. Okay. And uh, what I was concerned about, I wanted to know, I currently have on the floor a uh, 12-inch square, of flexible something. I don't know whether that's vinyl or what it is. And it's been down... I'm sure twenty plus years, and but what I want to do is select another twelve-inch flexible stick-on type tile. Okay. That you can just uh, press on uh, on some sort of flooring, and and have it come out right. And that's what can I do? That can I put one over the other?
2: I doubt that was self-stick. If it's lasted twenty years, self-stick almost never lasts twenty years. It was probably a glue-down tile.
7: I, I would think it would be. Too-
2: it's probably
3: yeah. a VCT, those vinyl tiles.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I have never seen a, a, a self-sticking tile last uh, very, very long. What One thing that you might want to think about, if you like the tile look, Al, is there's these new, um, very, very heavy luxury tiles. I think Mannington has one called Adura, A-D-U-R-A, and they're very thick, very heavy vinyl tiles that are a little bit more money, but they're really tough. And they have to be put down with a tile adhesive. But if the old vinyl below it is sticking, you should be able to put the glue down and put it right on top with a glue trowel. That's the notched trowel.
3: Now, Al, if you're thinking about stick-on-tiles because of budgetary concerns, there's another product from Armstrong. And it's a sheet vinyl flooring product. It's around $2.50 per square foot, which is a great price. It cleans up really easy with a mop. And it does need to be installed by a pro only because the sheet vinyl can be, you know, kind of unwieldy and heavy. But the price is right. And it comes in some really great looking patterns, a wood style, a slate, a brick, a small tile, even some... I
7: probably would prefer to try and do the glued on Squares uh, is that a that 's a vinyl type surface
3: it's called
2: a luxury vinyl tile you know one of the things that you might want to think about are you familiar with laminate floors al like a
7: wood laminate
2: or well they're, they're, they're laminate floors can look like wood or they could look like tile or they could look like stone and it 's a complete do it yourself project you 'll probably spend um, anywhere maybe around four or five dollars a square foot to do this. And it's a really tough surface, and it's not hard to do. The whole thing can float right on top of the floor. There's no glue involved. It's all locked together. All you have to do is cut the boards to fit around the edges of the wall. That's what I have in my kitchen, and it's really tough stuff, and, it, and it's lasted a very, very long time and through three kids too. So I, I'm really, uh, I really like laminate floors for kitchens. Up next, from this old house to your old house, host Kevin O'Connor joins us with some great tips and advice.
3: You live in a money pit.
0: This portion of The Money Pit is brought to you by Dense Armor Plus, the revolutionary paperless drywall from Georgia Pacific.
2: Welcome back to The Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Well, one of the most famous home improvement shows in the world, probably the number one home improvement show. Is The Money Pit. (laughs) TV show, Leslie, <laughs> Oh, TV okay, show.
3: clarify the media. <clears throat> but
2: thanks for putting good. me in the good company of the folks from This Old House. You know, they've been on the air for 27 seasons. That is an incredible
1: amount of time.
2: Think about all the things that have happened in 27 years. I mean, 27 years ago, you had almost no home improvement media. Now we are everywhere, and we have This Old House to thank for getting that whole process started. With us to talk about the new season on This Old House right now, though, is Kevin O'Connor, the host of This Old House. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the program.
6: Hi, hey guys. How are you?
2: We are excellent. This is an exciting time for you guys. You're jumping into a new season, and you've picked a new house to work on. Tell us about it.
6: Yeah, we have, uh, we have just started up our 27th season, if you can believe that. Holy Quite amazing. Is that unbelievable? And
3: I think I've been watching it that long.
6: Well, I love to hear that, because I've been watching it that long, too. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, this year we are going to be in East Boston, one of the neighborhoods of uh, downtown Boston here. And we're doing something a little different. We're going to be working on a two-family. It's been in uh, the same family for four generations. It is in dire need of repair, as so many of the houses that we work with are. And probably
3: just some updating.
6: It needs a lot of updating. It needs electric. It needs insulation. It needs a lot of cosmetics. It needs two new kitchens, a couple of new bathrooms. Um, pretty much top to bottom work. Wow.
3: So your tick list is quite full.
6: Well, you know they're usually big projects that we do, and we like to take them on so that we can show the viewers all the different things that have to go on in any given house renovation. So we're excited about this one, and you know we're we're excited about the two family angle. We like to be back in the city, working in Boston.
2: Well, it's interesting, Kevin, because it seems like you're going to have like two sets of storylines going on here at the same time. You've got really two what could be completely separate spaces that you're renovating. How are these two spaces going to be different from each other?
6: You know, it's interesting to point that out, Tom. We just started um, filming uh, a couple weeks ago, and there are, just as you said, two completely different ideas from the women who live there. The upstairs, the aunt, she's a little bit more traditional. She wants to go with some more of the formal dining room space to keep it smaller, intimate rooms. Downstairs, the niece who's younger, she wants to sort of blow it out turn the kitchen and the living room into one big room so that it faces the water. And as we go through this process, we're going to learn what drives and motivates these two women differently, how they want to have different feels, um, different styles put in the houses. And we're going to respect those requests. We're going to do it differently upstairs than we do downstairs, as you would expect anyone in a two-unit house to uh, do it separately.
3: Well, and you've got to imagine that there's going to be some family friction as to different ideas as well. Well, you know, they're, they're
6: really good friends. It's, it's, it's funny. They've actually lived with each other before. Um, they've been through this because it has been in the family for so long, and they are separate units. You know, they get to, they get to decide what they do with their own unit, sort of uh, exclusive of the other. Now, they're definitely going to have input um, from the aunt and from the niece, but it's really they're going to get to do what they want to do, and we're going to help them out along the way.
2: We're talking to Kevin O'Connor. He's the host of This Old House. Hey, Kevin, for those of us that uh, that are unfamiliar with how This Old House selects properties, you have quite a competition that goes on uh, to to become the project that's renovated in every season on This Old House. Talk to us about how that works.
6: It's uh, it's definitely more of an art than it is a science. You know, we certainly go out looking for stories to tell, something that we think is going to interest um, our public and our viewers. Different ideas. This time around, we knew we had to be in and around the Boston area because our guys actually do all the work. Tom Silva and his general contracting company runs the project. So we put out a public call. We told uh, all the neighborhoods that they could send in photographs, letters and such, and we got hundreds, literally thousands of people. Who sort of contacted us and begged us to do their house? Um, and this was one of the houses where the folks uh, called in and they they let us know about it. We actually put it out on the web with the local newspaper. We let the community vote on it. We got I don't know if it was five or ten or fifteen thousand different people voting on which house they wanted. Wow!
7: wow. Yeah,
6: it was, it was a pretty big event here in Boston. So um, it was a little bit different. We don't always do it that way, but do we? We always do sort of um, seek out some. Uh, um, uh, letters and proposals from the public.
3: I think it's really interesting. You've picked two single women homeowners, and that's very indicative of what's going on in the market right now as buyers and do-it-yourselfers and renovators. How do you think that's going to play into all of it?
6: You know, I didn't realize this until we got into this project that single women are sort of the second fastest growing purchasers of new homes. And once you hear it, it kind of makes sense. Certainly, it's the married couple's um, they get married, they go out they look for their own home. But then right after that, the fastest growing population, that's uh, buying homes are single women. And there are a lot of professional women who work in and around downtown Boston. Housing is in sort of a crisis mode for us up here because it's so tight and so expensive. And so this is an option where people want to come in, they want to own their first home. And in this case, they're actually sharing the home, sharing the cost uh, because they're buying a two-family. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people here in town, not just from the female angle but from the first-time homebuyer angle and also buying the two-family and the condoization of this property.
2: Terrific. Kevin O'Connor, host of This Old House. It sounds like a very exciting project. Kevin, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy construction day to uh, be on The Money Pit.
6: It's my pleasure, guys. Always a joy to be on the show.
3: Thanks, Kevin.
2: Kevin, what's the website for those that want more information?
6: Uh, Thisoldhouse.com. You can go there. You can check out our production schedule. You can look at the webcam, follow along with construction. Um, we'll be on the air in October, and we're also starting our fourth season of Ask This Old House. We'll be crisscrossing the country, doing smaller projects, and helping homeowners out with that. All of that, schedule information, and everything you need to know is on thisoldhouse.com.
2: Kevin O'Connor, host of This Old House. Kevin, thanks again for stopping by the Money Pit. You want to check out the latest on This Old House? Go to their website at thisoldhouse.com.
3: So does your bathtub caulk fall out right after you replace it? We'll learn how to make it stay in for good right after this.
6: Somewhere, a guy is tossing his golf clubs into the water. But you, you'd rather build, say, a burled maple coffee mm-hmm. table. RYOBI Woodworking Tools let you do it. RYOBI gives you the power and precision you need to succeed at prices that help you get going. Of course, there's still some equipment involved, but it's power tools. And you don't have to wear those funny clothes to use them. RYOBI Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. RYOBI, exclusively at The Home Depot. That's just beautiful.
2: This spring, the wet look is in, for outdoor surfaces, that is. New Bare Wet Look Sealer gives surfaces a high gloss, wet look finish and protects against moisture, stains, and automotive chemicals. It can be used on interior or exterior pavers, concrete, unglazed tiles, brick, aggregate, natural stone, masonry, and stucco. Find it at the Home Depot or visit BEAR.com. And remember, when it comes to stains and finishes, there's good, better, and bare.
0: Oh honey, the heat ruined my hairdo. Not
2: the heat, it's the humidity. Not
0: my script book too. These pages are soggy.
2: Not the heat,
7: it's the humidity. But we
0: have central air. I turned it up so high, I'm freezing. Why do I still feel so clammy? why does everything smell musty in this hot weather? It's
5: not the heat,
4: it's the humidity.
2: He's right, it's the humidity that adds the swelter to steamy summer heat. What can you do about it? Remove it with an April Air whole home dehumidifier. April Air. Fresh ideas for indoor air. Visit AprilAir.com. We're all looking for ways to get more mileage from a gallon of gas. I'm Energy Secretary Sam Bodman with steps you can take to save money by getting the most out of every gallon of gas that you buy. First, keeping your car tuned and in proper working condition can improve gas mileage by up to 40 percent. Replacing your air filter and keeping tires properly inflated improves fuel efficiency. When you can, avoid idling your car. Running your engine when you're not moving wastes gas and money. Obey the speed limit. Speeding reduces fuel mileage by up to 23%. Your gas mileage decreases rapidly once you get above 60 miles an hour. You have the power to make a difference. By taking these steps, you can save
6: money and help our nation reduce its energy use. For more tips on saving money at the gas pump, please visit our website at www.energy.gov or call toll-free 1-877-337-3463. This powerful savings message is provided by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Alliance to Save Energy.
0: portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by Bear Premium Plus Interior Sateen Kitchen and Bath Enamel with advanced nanoguard technology to help consumers protect these areas, keeping them looking new longer. For more information, visit bear.com. That's B E H R.com.
2: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. The number is 1 888 Money Pit, 888 3974. Here's a quick caulking tip that we absolutely love and in fact we get a lot of people that write us and ask us to repeat this. It's about how to caulk your tub and make sure that it stays in for good. The secret is this. First of all, obviously remove the old caulk and if you're having trouble getting the old caulk out, there's a product called a caulk softener. Much like a paint stripper, it softens the caulk so you can easily peel it away. Clean the surface, use a little bleach and water to get it ready to rock and roll. But here's the essential tip. Before you caulk, fill the tub with water all the way to the tippy top. The reason you're doing this is because you want to weight down the tub. Then caulk and let the caulk dry. Then let the water out of the tub. By doing so, the tub sort of comes back up and compresses the caulk, and it won't pull out when you step in it with your heavy body for all of those showers that you're going to take. It'll last a lot longer, and it looks great.
3: That's a great tip, Tom. All right, folks. If you have any tips you want to share or questions that are burning in your mind right now that you need an answer to to your home improvement dilemma, make sure you call us now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. And you might have a question about your bathroom, your roof, your garage, just about any part of your home sweet home, and I bet you will have an answer. And one caller we're going to pick out of the Money Pit hard hat is going to win a really cool prize. It's from Tomboy Tools. It's an auto kit that includes a wrench, a screwdriver, a tarp, a flashlight, and a reflective bag to put everything in.
2: So call us now, one 888 Pit 888-666-3974.
3: Chris in Tennessee is up next, and you're thinking about adding a bathroom to the basement. Tell us about your project.
2: Yes,
5: I am thinking about adding a bathroom to the basement, but I have a slight bit of a problem.
2: Let me guess, Chris, does it have to do with gravity?
4: <laughs> yes, it <that does laughs> have to do with gravity
5: and, and digging? All right, and What we do about this uh, the house was built in and When it was built, it was on a septic system. Okay. And sometime after that, before I bought the house, it, it switched over to city uh, water and sewer. The, um, it's, it's a ranch home, and uh, the basement is mostly underground, not all the way. Uh, there's a drive-in garage, and the, the uh, sewer pipe is midway up the uh, back wall in the garage. Right. So what I want to do is add a uh, bathroom over, you know, within the the basement. Right. But the problem is, you know, with the sewer being halfway up that wall, I've either got to, from from what I understand, either pump it up to that. Right. Or my other thought was maybe if I were to drop that whole uh, sewer pipe down and, and dig in, you know, in the garage area and go that route. But I don't know what's the best way to do it.
2: Or you could build a throne, like about four feet tall, and just sort of climb up there to use the bathroom. You know,
3: and,
5: and actually, I think I'm worthy of that.
3: <laughs> That's why they make gold toilets. That's it's right. not a bad
2: idea. <laughs> there you go, Chris. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Next question. <laughs> All right, well, Chris, this is uh, not a difficult problem. Uh, it seems impossible, but there's a solution, and you mentioned it before. It is a pump. It's called a lift pump, and it grinds up the waste and then pumps it up high enough so that gravity can can, in fact, take over and drop it down the the uh, the typical drain waste vent pipe um, it 's uh, not terribly difficult to put in it does of course involve breaking open the floor. So as long as you can get the demolition done, uh, it can be installed. It's a little noisy. It's going to run you know, all the time. It may not run with every flush, but as it fills up, it will just kick on because it's float-actuated just like a sump pump is. But I'm telling you, they use them every day. They work uh, very well. They'll work for many, many years. They don't cause a lot of problems. The only thing you have to remember, Chris, is if you have a power failure, don't use the bathroom, toilet, in the basement. Oh, I didn't think of that. Mm. That's an issue, isn't it? It could be. It could be. Or you could just get a backup generator. But really, it's a—it's not a bad project, and it's the way to add a bathroom to the basement. And if you're going to put a—you know do a home remodeling project, there's nothing that adds value like a bathroom, uh, like adding a bathroom to your house. It really does pick up the value.
3: Evelyn in Georgia has a problem with her door. What happened? The paint is chipping on the back door. I have kept the heat on, but
4: uh, when I went to open the door to check on the house, the back door, it's the white and there's been several coats of paint, and it's all over the floor, and it's kind of buckling up on
2: the, on the door itself. Uh, what kind of door is this, Evelyn? Is it a wood door?
4: Wood door, uh-huh.
2: Okay. Um, if you have a lot of coats of paint on that door, and especially if the heating and the cooling in the home is, is running inconsistently because it's a vacant house, um, what you might be finding is that that door simply can't hold any more paint, and so it's stripping. As that wood starts to get moist, especially, a lot of that wood will will fall off. So if you're not running the air conditioning all the time or if you're not running the heat on a regular cycle, it's not going to stick very well. At this point, the best thing to do is to strip the paint off the door and to repaint it, because if you try to put new paint on top of that, Leslie, I think it's not going to stick. stick.
3: And your best bet is to take that door off of its hinges, you know, pull the pins, pull the door off, and lay it down on some horses outside and work on it on a flat surface, because it'll really help you to strip the paint more efficiently.
2: I
4: figured that much, but I didn't know what to use. That was my question.
2: Well, the best thing for you to do is once you get the old paint off is I want you to prime it next. Don't put a top coat on it directly without putting a primer first. And for a wood door, I would use an oil-based primer like Kills. Well, how am I going to
4: get the paint off to start with?
2: Well, you're going to scrape off all the loose stuff, and, and then you're going to sand whatever's left. You don't have to go right down to the raw wood, but get as much of it off as you can.
3: And get it to as smooth as you can.
2: Yeah. It, it, you know, you don't want to leave any loose stuff on there, it's the bottom line. But then you want to put a primer on it. I would use an oil-based primer like Kills. And then use a surface paint over that. Just use an exterior-grade trim paint this is the best thing to use because the trim paints on the exterior grade, that have more pigment in it. They have more titanium dioxide, which is the colorant in paint, and that tends to uh, stand up and be a lot harder and tougher, especially in, the, in a problem paint area. So that would be the way to do it, Evelyn, and I think if you do that, uh, that door's just going to look good all over again, okay? Well,
4: will it not look like it's had holes in it? Like, you know how it'd be like, of course, I guess if I get down thin enough, it won't.
2: No, it certainly won't. And if you do a good job with the sanding, if you have a a place where you took off a lot of of paint and then there's still some paint on there, just sort of feather the edges so that you sand down that rough edge so it's all smooth and one again. So it doesn't
3: jump down.
2: Yeah. All right, Evelyn?
3: Okay. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. Well, they cause millions of dollars in damage but are rarely seen. Hmm. Do you know what that is? Well, you should. Find out how to test for termites in your house next. You live in a money pit.
0: This portion of the Money Pit was brought to you by April Air, makers of professionally installed high efficiency air cleaners. For more information, go to AprilAir.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
2: 888 666 3974. Call us now with your home improvement question or log on to our website at MoneyPit.com, where you can also send us an email by clicking on Ask Tom and Leslie. Leslie, let's jump in the email bag right now.
3: All right, Kenneth from Summersville, West Virginia writes, is there a way to test for termites?
2: Well, there's not so much a test for termites, but there is a termite inspection. You recently had an experience with that, didn't you?
3: Yeah, we did. You know, we tend to see the wings occasionally in the springtime. We saw them when we first moved in, and then now four years almost later, there they were again. So, you know, it's clues. There are clues to look for if you feel soft spots in the wood, like we did on the stairs. Mm-hmm, not saying anything. <laughs>
2: That's why it's a good idea to have a termite inspection done. You can contact a, le- a local pest control professional or a home inspector and have an inspection done. I do think it's a good idea, especially if you're in a termite-prone area, to have an inspection done at least once a year. And if termites are found, Ken, there are treatments today that are undetectable treatments. They're put into the soil. The termites go through them. They don't know that they're there. They care. Clearly, the best way to find them is with an inspection by a professional.
3: All right, here we got another one from Durwood in Maine, who owns a duplex, bought a 6,500-watt portable generator to run the furnace and some lights during a power outage. I also have a manual transfer switch to transfer each circuit. My problem is, because it's a duplex, there are two meters, two electrical boxes. Furnace is on one, some pump and lights are on the other. Transfer switch instructions say I need a common ground to connect both panels. What is a common ground, and can I do this myself?
2: Hmm, If you're asking that question, Durwood, I'd say no. No.
3: Do not...
2: Do it yourself. Um, you know, it's it's a very complicated matter to actually install a backup generator for a couple of reasons. The the power for it has to be installed just right. If it's put in wrong, it could send power the wrong way down the power lines and that could injure alignment or somebody working on it. And of course, you could also be injured yourself working on it, and it might just not plain not work. So putting in a transfer switch is something that I would not recommend a do-it-yourselfer tackle. So get some professional help on that. However, having said that, I will say that the idea of putting one in is a solid idea and one definitely worth doing. Just don't do this one yourself.
3: Yeah. Generally, when a home improvement task involves the possibility of death, I avoid it.
2: Yes, death is definitely a distraction
3: (laughs) and a deterrence
2: from tackling home improvement projects. But but again, it is a good idea to put one in. It's just not a do-it-yourself project. And if you are choosing generators, remember, they're available with gasoline power as well as natural gas power and even propane power, which is cool because that means you don't have to go out and find gasoline when the power goes out. Well, gas prices have been getting so bad that newlyweds are now registering at Exxon and Shell instead of their local department store. But Leslie is here with her last word and some advice on how to save some gas this summer.
3: All right, hopefully, this will help to take a tiny bit out of the sting of the gas prices. Here are our suggestions, and they're from AAA, so you know they're good. All right, folks, keep your tires properly inflated. Underinflated tires cut fuel economy by as much as 2% for each pound of pressure below the recommended level. So check it and fill them up if you need to. Accelerate gently, brake gradually, and avoid hard stops. Use the air conditioner only when necessary because it definitely uses more gas. And when traveling, avoid excess weight on the roof and in the trunk by carefully packing your vehicle. So if your trunk is like your closet in the basement, empty it out and store it in the garage. That's what it's there for.
2: And here's another quick tip. Before you take off from your home in that car for a vacation in the summer, make sure you turn off the main water valve. Why? Because if you get a breakdown while you're away, you won't come back and find your furniture floating down the street. (laughs) Well, coming up next week on The Money Pit, getting top dollar for your home includes making it shine when you show it to potential home buyers. Find out how to make your home look good and more spacious before those buyers show up. Next week on the program, I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Remember, you can do it yourself.
3: But you don't have to do it alone.